0: When you fly on a commercial airplane, do you put your seat back? Who, who puts their seat back? You, you just get comfortable. You stretch out. You get very few, very few. Um, if you're on an airplane and the person in front of you puts their seat back, do you like that or do you hate that? Like hate that? Don't like it? Yeah. OK. This is a social awareness uh, thing, just, just so you know. So you're, you're going to get better at this. Um, on a Sunday morning or when you go to any kind of uh, event where you're seeing a lot of people and you run into somebody that you know you've met before and you know they've told you their name before but you can't remember their name, what do you do? Do you, do you ask? Is it like, hey buddy, what's up chief? How you doing man? Or do you kind of push through that uh, little barrier and say, hey I'm sorry, could you tell me your name again? Which, which one do you? That's do? a social awareness test. Uh, on a Sunday morning, if you, if you happen to come in late, that would never happen here, but if, like at other places, I hear that people are sometimes late. Uh, and you come in, and the only seats are either way up front, or you have to crawl over somebody who's sitting on the aisle. What do you do? Do you, do you just go ahead and make your way all the way up front to that embarrassing spot in the spit zone, or do you like tap somebody on the shoulder and go, "Uh, sorry, could we squeeze by? That's a social awareness thing. Another little tangential social awareness thing. If you get here um, early, what we call on time, on a Sunday morning, and... uh, uh, if, if you actually would sit towards the front or towards the center of the aisle, you could alleviate a lot of social anxiety for the people that come in after you. Just by doing that, it just takes that option off the table for them. Just a little tip there for those of you that like to ride that aisle like, a, like you own it. I, my guess is that we all would love to get better at social situations, that we all find ourselves in circumstances sometimes when we don't really know how to interact with people or we're not, we're not sure what's the best, uh, the, the way to interact. And, and you, you know, you, you all have that awkward friend, don't you? That's just like, you never know what they're thinking or what they're trying to say. If you don't know who the awkward friend is, it's you. It, and it's just, just embrace it. I've got a brother-in-law, uh, who's, who's. It's just awkward to talk to sometimes, but he embraces it. He, you know, last Sunday we went to visit them, he was wearing this t-shirt, <laughs> and uh, he just owns it, like, that's just who he is. So it's fine, it's okay, but I, my guess is we all wish we could get a little better at that. We all wish that we could read people better and understand people better, but here's, here's the problem, we don't actually spend any time thinking about that, we, we just kind of roll with it you know we just deal with the anxiety that comes along or the embarrassment or whatever but what if what if we could get better at this I I believe that this is connected to our emotional health which we've been talking about this is our third week now in the emotional health series and uh, as I mentioned uh, last week these uh, lessons messages kind of build on each other so what we're going to talk about today with social awareness, your your capacity for social awareness is directly connected to your self awareness, which we talked about the first week. So if you feel like you're you're low in social awareness, uh, but and you haven't really thought about self awareness much, you need to go back and grab that message from the first week, and and these kind of all build on each other. The reason why we're talking about this is because we are convinced that our emotional health plays a big role not just in our success and performance in life in general, but in who we are as followers of Jesus. If you're somebody who's ever said, I, I, I need Jesus, I want to follow Jesus with my life, then your emotional health is a big piece of that puzzle and how you are able to follow Jesus well. In fact, this is a really clear principle in Scripture. If we go all the way back to Proverbs, where Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, is going to tell us what determines the course of our lives. Do you know what determines the course of your life? He's going to tell us. This is our memory verse uh, for the series, so uh, you can say this along with me if, uh, uh, if you like. And even if you don't like, just humor me. Are you ready? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What, what determines the course of your life? Your heart. Your heart, not, not your head. Not not your physical fitness, not your level of education, not how many degrees you have or how much money you paid for your degree. Your heart determines the course of your life. Jesus echoes this in Matthew 15 when he says, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. The stuff that comes out of you, the the moments when you've you've kind of stepped back and gone, whoa, where did that come from? I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. Where did that come from? Jesus says, I know where it came from. It came from your heart. So working on our emotional health is an effort to guard our hearts above all else because we're convinced that it determines the course of our lives. So social awareness is a piece of this emotional health. Let's define social awareness real quick. Social awareness means I can perceive what other people are thinking and feeling without my own emotions getting in the way of healthy relationships. That's kind of long. You can write that down or take a picture or shorten it, whatever you want to do. I can perceive what other people are thinking and feeling without my own emotions getting in the way of healthy relationships. Another word for this is differentiation. Differentiation. A lot of syllables in that word. It's fun to say. Differentiation, uh, Murray Brown defines it this way. It's a person's capacity to define his or her own life's goals and values apart from the pressures of those around them. Essentially, I can be myself apart from you. That's differentiation. Okay, we're going to dive into this a little bit more in just a minute. But the question on many people's minds in this moment is so what? Like, I mean, how, why does this matter? Why are we preaching about this? Why are we taking this time, this, you know, the next hour and a half to talk about this? Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, Why is this such a big deal? I I think this matters immensely, especially if you are a follower of Jesus. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you've never signed on and you just kind of are checking out this church thing and and just seeing what it's about, I, I think this can absolutely change your life. It can make you much better at relationships. It can make you a better friend, better employee, better spouse, better parent. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is absolutely critical because Jesus gave us a command. He gave us two commands that are directly related to this subject. He was asked, What's the most important commandment in the law? And he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I think sometimes we function, we live as though Jesus didn't say love, he said believe. We function as though Jesus said, Believe in the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. There we go. Got it. No problem. I believe in God. I believe in God. And if, if maybe some, some of you, that's your answer. If anybody's ever asked you, hey, are you, a, are you a Christian or are you a church person? You go, yeah, I believe in God. That is not what makes you a Christian. Because Jesus didn't say, believe in the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, to love God. Now, love implies belief. The belief has to be there if you're gonna love, but love takes it another step farther and says, I, I'm not just agreeing to some list of doctrines. I have a relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have a relationship. That's, that's love versus belief. And he says, here's how you do that. This was the second command. Here's how you do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you, do you wanna know how to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, many of us, we're okay with loving God. We're like, yeah, God, God's pretty awesome. I mean, he made everything, and I'm not sure how he did it, but he did it, and he made me, and, 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 and he said, Jesus, I love God, but people, hmm, have you met people? I mean, pe- people can be nasty. People can be unpleasant. People can be rude and disrespectful, and I'm not so sure about loving people, but this was Jesus' command, In fact, he says it later this way. He says, here's a new command. I'm going to give you a new command. Love one another as I have loved you. This is how everybody's going to know that you're my disciples, is by the way you love one another. This was critical. This is the defining characteristic of a Jesus follower. And if we have no social awareness, if we're really bad at this, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, uh, maybe I'll go to counseling someday and get that figured out. We need to figure this out now. Because our ability to actually obey the command of Jesus to love our neighbor as ourself is tied to our emotional health and therefore our social awareness. So I'm gonna prove this to you because some of you are like, yeah, maybe. Um, and that's fine. You don't listen. I'm not, there are much smarter people here in this room than I am. Don't listen to everything I say. That's why I'm gonna talk from God's word. If you hear something that doesn't make sense to you, look it up, you know, check, fact check me, okay? I've been wrong before once it was terrible all right uh, we're, we're going to read from 1 corinthians chapter 10 verses 23 to 33 and this is the apostle paul describing to this church in corinth how to live out the command to love your neighbor as yourself that's what he's explaining for them they live in a diverse culture there are jews in their culture some of those jews are christians they're jesus followers there are greeks in their culture And some of those Greeks are Christians and Jesus followers. So they they have this really strange mix of people in their community. And Paul says, let me help you sort some of this out. I want to teach you how to love people who are different from you. Here's what he says in verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let me me pause there for a minute. He is is setting the tone. "I, I want you to know what's most important. Because we get so worked up about being right all the time, right? Like, I, I'm standing on this principle. I'm standing on this opinion. I'm standing on this value because I know I'm right. I know I'm right. And you're wrong. And that's, that's what defines our relationship is the things that I'm right about and you're wrong about. And if you agree with me with the things that I'm right about, we'll probably be friends. But if you don't, we probably won't. Paul says, what's law? L- listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom under Christ, and that's not the point. What matters is what is helpful and what builds others up, okay? That's his premise. That's what he's starting with. So let's, uh, let's read through this. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. That's, that'll, that'll hold you for life right there. If, you, if that's the only thing you need to follow out of the Bible, that, that one will hold you, won't it? For the sake of conscience, I don't mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many That they may be saved. All right, we're going to break that down a little bit. There's some unfamiliar things in there, but what I want you to pay attention to is the brackets on both sides of this passage. He starts off by saying, Hey, all things are lawful. There's a lot of freedom in Christ. What matters is what is helpful and what builds others up. And what's the last thing he says? "I, I will do whatever it takes to please people. For what reason? That they may be saved. That's Paul's goal. That's what all this is bracketed in. So then he starts talking about um, eat whatever is sold in the meat market. What's the meat market? It's not the, not the church singles ministry, okay? That's something different. The, what he's talking about is uh, they, they, they had a lot of gods in the, um, in, in the Greek world, and they would offer animal sacrifices to these gods, and then they would take that, the meat, and the, the temple would get some of it, and some of it would go to the market, and that's what people ate. If you're a Jew, if you're a good God-fearing Jew, the idea of eating meat that was sacrificed to a false god is 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 hof- awful to you. You're you're just not going to do it. It's, it it turns your stomach even just thinking about it. Well, some of these Jews who live in Corinth and, and in this culture have become Christ followers, and they've brought that conviction about meat sacrificed to idols into their Christianity. And so there are some people in the church who, who think eating meat sacrificed to an idol is just absolutely wrong. You should never do it. But there are also Greeks in the church who grew up eating this meat. Now they're followers of Jesus and they just don't see anything wrong with it, right? So which is it? Is it right or is it wrong? Paul says, doesn't matter. God doesn't care. It, God has provided everything for our enjoyment. So the, the food that's available to you to eat you can eat it. Everything is lawful, but not everything is helpful. So Paul says, if, if an unbeliever invites you over to eat, and they serve meat, do not ask questions. Don't even ask, hey, uh, was this sacrifice to an idol? It doesn't matter. Don't ask. Just eat it, right? That's just being a good guest in someone's home. But if they say, hey, by the way, just want you to know this was sacrificed to an idol, he says, don't eat it. Not, not for the sake of your conscience, but for your neighbor's conscience. Because what is most important in this scenario is not whether you eat meat or don't eat meat. It's your relationship with this non-believer who has invited you over for dinner. I, I love that Paul assumes that Christians and non-Christians are having dinner together a lot. I love that he assumes that. I think that that's how it should be. And I hope that's the way your life looks. And his priority is on the relationship. So uh, there are two main uh, principles that are connected I want to pull out of this uh, that relate to social awareness. And then um, I'm going to wrap that up with three quick tips and a prayer and a poem, and you're out. Okay? You good? You buckled in? Principle number one, I am connected to you. This is what Paul wants us to see, is that it, it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek If you're a Christ follower, your job is to recognize that you are connected to the people around you. Here's, look at what he says in verse 29 and 32. He says, I don't mean your conscience. Like, I'm not worried about your conscience. I'm worried about your neighbor's conscience because you are connected. There's a connection there in verse 32. He says, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Right before that, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, dot, 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 give no offense to the Jew or the Greek or the church of God. He says, I know that there are people around you that are different from you, but guess what? You're connected. Just because you're different doesn't mean that there's no connection between you. So my job then, because we are connected, is to preserve your dignity, your individuality. What honors you matters to me because we are Connected. Now, I, I think most of us would push back against that. I don't. I don't feel connected to everybody. I feel connected to Braves fans. If you if you wear a Braves hat, uh, it doesn't matter where you're from, what language you speak. You are my brother or sister, and the Braves family. I feel connected to book lovers. If you love to read books, if you love libraries, I don't know if that's weird. I love like if we let's talk. Okay, I feel connected to you. If that's your if that's who you are. If you are a podcast listener. I feel connected to you. I love listening to podcasts. Just, just find me later and let's, let's trade some suggestions, right? But people that I don't have anything in common with, it's easy for me to just ignore or avoid or kind of move on because I don't feel a connection. But whether I feel a connection or not is not a good representation of the truth. I am connected to you. Do you know why? Because you and I were both created in the image of God. God. We are image bearers of the creator of the universe. And you and I both need Jesus like we need air to breathe and water to drink. You and I need Jesus. We are connected because of who made us, who bought us and redeemed us. We are connected. And it doesn't matter if I feel it. I need to acknowledge it because that's how I'm able to love my neighbor as myself. So, um, let's, let's use an illustration here. I have this beverage in front of me. Many, many people in this room, depending on how you were raised, might feel like drinking this beverage is, is like, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't do that. I don't know why you would think that. It's just apple juice, okay? Some of you are getting nervous. You're like, what's in there? <laughs> okay, it's just apple juice, but it's a metaphor, okay? So some, some people were raised to think that drinking apple juice is just not okay. We just don't do that. It's it's not a good thing. Other people were kind of raised like, hey, it's just apple juice, so what's the big deal, right? Here's the thing. Whether that's right or wrong, there's freedom in Christ. Uh, There's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not drink apple juice, right? That would be weird, wouldn't it? Okay? So we have freedom in Christ, but if I know that you are on the anti-apple juice side and I drink apple juice in front of you, I have denied our connection. I have dishonored and disrespected you. Do I have freedom to drink apple juice? Absolutely. If I do it in front of somebody who uh, has a problem in their conscience, has a conviction that this is not okay, then I've disrespected the person. And Paul's point and Jesus' command would say, you need to set aside your own preferences and even your own freedom in Christ for the sake of not offending people to whom you are connected which is everyone i'm connected to you and so i am going to honor you even if that means i lay aside my rights this is not a popular stance in our culture today if i have the right to do something then i should do it whenever and wherever and with whomever i feel like that is not the way of christ Because I care about our connection, I'm willing to set my rights aside for you. That's what we're called to. That's what Paul is urging us to do. So, I am connected to you. That's principle number one. Number two, I am distinct from you. Yes, I am connected to you. We're all made in the image of God. We all need Jesus, but I am distinct from you. This is differentiation. This is being able to say, like, we are not the same person. Paul uh, mentions this in verses 29 and 30. He says, For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? He he said, okay, you're a a non-apple juice person. That doesn't mean that if we're going to be friends, I have to become a non-apple juice person. Like, I don't have to change my mind to please you. I'm not going to offend you by drinking it in front of you, but I don't have to change my mind. Like in the privacy of my own home, I I can drink apple juice. I have freedom in Christ. I'm just not going to do it in front of you. I, I don't have to change to be loved, and you don't have to change for me to love you. Some of you need to look at the person next to you and say, you do not have to change for me to love you you do not have to change for me to love you. I I am connected to you, but I am distinct from you. And if you never change, I'll still love you. I hope that you can say that to the people around you because that's what Jesus modeled for us when he said, love one another as I have loved you. When he said that to his disciples, some of these guys we're we're going to run away when he was arrested. One of them was going to deny him completely. He didn't, he didn't look at them and say, listen, as long as you guys always do right and never do wrong, then I will love you. Oh, he says, I already love you. I already love you. He, I think what we do is we, we, we build this little box, and we say, like, if you'll fit into this box, I'll love you. Right? If you'll treat me with respect, if you'll treat me with honor, if you'll like the things I like, if you'll do what I need you to do, then I will love you. But if you don't fit into this box, I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't love you unless you, you fit in my box. Is that the way you want to be loved? Is that the way that God loves you? Does God have a box? And he says, look, if you, if you just do the Ten Commandments, you know, plus the 611 other commandments, plus all the other things in the Bible. If you do all that stuff, I'll love you. You'll fit in my box. Or did God say, for I love the whole world so much that I sent my only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's box, it's pretty big. It covers the whole planet. You're already in it. And there's nothing you can do to get out of it. And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Everyone's in Jesus' box, and he wants your approach to be to the people in this plan, in this world, that everyone is in your box. You don't have to change for me to love you. I love you because you're created in the image of God, because we all need Jesus. That's why I love you. You don't have to change for me to love you, and I don't have to change to be loved by you. I don't have to change. I, I am loved by God, and that's all I need. I, I don't have to change. M- maybe I need to change. Maybe there are some things I need to work on, and I need to be really honest about that, and I need to work on that. Maybe we need to work on it together. But I know I don't have to change who I am. And I think we do this too. We we kind of get our minds in this frame of mind like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hanging around smart people tonight, so... I need to try to use my smart, you know, self. Smart Adam needs to show up tonight, right? Or some of us, um, and listen, you don't have to nod or say anything. I'll know who you are. But we just enjoy correcting people, right? Are you in that category? Like sometimes we're listening to you, but all we're listening for is for you to make a mistake so we can correct you. Because we want you to know how smart we are. We want you to know that we know how to say especially, and we know that Africa is not a country. Like, we want you to know these things. And so we just listen for you to make a mistake so we can correct you. And that's, that's us trying to earn your admiration by, by changing who we, we really are, who we're created to be. Like, I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need to impress you. I don't need you to think I'm smart. I don't need you to think I'm funny. I don't need you to think I'm good at ping pong, although I am. I don't need you to think that. I am loved by God, and if I live my life, if I engage with you in such a way that I'm trying to steal love from you by manipulating the circumstance, then I have damaged our relationship. I have not honored you and the connection that you and I have. I am connected to you, and I am distinct from you. This is social awareness. This is also what sets us up really well to obey the command to love your neighbor as yourself. So let me give you three quick uh, tips on how to improve your social awareness, okay? Just write, jot these down, just three quick tips, and you can get better at this today. Number one, ask. Just ask questions, ask questions. We, We want people to know what we know. We want people to know what we think. We want people to hear our opinions. Just belay that, just ask questions. Ask good questions. Ask questions that help you get to know somebody better that take you a little deeper into their world. Ask questions. And then, number two, listen. That seems really obvious. If you're going to ask, then you're going to listen to the question, the answer. But we actually don't do that. We ask, and then we don't listen. We try to do other things. Here's something. Maybe you should write this down. You cannot listen and multitask. Some of you are like, you want to bet? I bet I can. No, you can't. You're tricking yourself. Your brain can't do it. You cannot listen to someone talk to you and text someone else at the same time. You cannot listen and scroll Facebook at the same time. You cannot listen and watch TV at the same time. You can't do it. It's, it's actually impossible for your brain to do that. You are choosing one or the other to focus on. You cannot listen and multitask. So if you're gonna listen, you gotta stop everything else. You have to turn off the TV, you to put your phone away and listen. Make eye contact and focus because you're not just listening to words. You're listening to body language and facial cues and tone of voice. You're listening to learn. You're listening to understand better. How many of you ever had a, an intense discussion, we'll call it, where you just said, I just don't understand why you blank? Did that ever happen? No? Yes? Today? Okay, good. If, if, that's, if that's what you're saying, I don't understand why you blank, then who, who, has the, who has the job of learning at this point? You do. There is something about the other person that you don't understand. So now your job becomes, I want to understand. I want to understand. I don't understand, so, so help me understand. I'm gonna ask some questions. I'm gonna listen really well. And then I'm gonna act. Number three is act. Ask, listen, act. Act. I'm going to listen for something that I can act on, okay? There are a lot of ways to do this. Uh, l- last week, a really simple example, I was hanging out with a friend. We got to talking about root beer because um, we're going to have a root beer float float for the 4th of July parade, in case you didn't know that. It's going to be amazing. Um, anyway, we were talking about root beer, and he mentioned that his favorite root beer is Sprecher root beer because he lived in Wisconsin for a time near the Sprecher brewery, and he would go over there and get Sprecher root beer. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, I think I know what that is. So, uh, my wife and I were at Menards um, on Saturday or Friday, one of those days. And um, they have Sprecher root beer at Menards. So, I bought a four pack and we dropped it off at his house on Saturday. Not a big deal, didn't change his life. N- no one, you know, got saved through this. But here's what happened he knows that I was listening to him because I demonstrated it with my actions right? Just a very simple gesture that communicated that I was listening. So ask, listen, act. Your social awareness quota will go up. You'll get better at relationships, and you'll get better at obeying the command of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. And let me, let me give you one more thing to kind of set you up for this on a daily basis. Um, you've never heard this before. It's going to be mind-blowing. Pray for one. Those of you who are chuckling, it's because you've heard this about a thousand times from me. Pray for one, pray for one, pray for one. Here's what we mean. If you're, if you're new around here, you haven't heard me say this much. What we mean is every day you're gonna pray, God, would you put one person in my path that I can point to Jesus through my words and actions? God, would you put one person in my life today that I can, I can love in such a way that it makes them think of you? God, give me one person today, just one. And when that moment comes, you're going to ask Listen and act. This is social awareness. Pray for one is a social awareness, you know, rep. It's, it's how you, you, you work out and you get stronger. So if you're not already praying for one on a daily basis, let me encourage you. Put Set an alarm on your phone that just says pray for one. When you hear that go off, just do it. It takes 30 seconds. Just pray the prayer. I'm hearing stories from people who have said, you're never going to believe what happened. I prayed for one. You're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, try me. Because <laughs> I know that God answers prayer. And and we're seeing beautiful connections being made and people being loved in in outstanding ways just from this simple prayer. So it'll put you in a position where your social awareness is gonna get tested, but I encourage you to do it. We are connected, you and I. I'm distinct from you, but we're connected. I wanna honor you, but I don't have to change to be loved. These are important truths for us to bury down deep. This is gonna make you a better spouse, a better employee, a better parent, And it's going to make us all better followers of Jesus. Peter says in one of his letters that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every person on the planet to be in a relationship with him through Jesus. And if God knows what he's doing, he's got a plan for this, right? Wouldn't God have a plan for seeing every person on the planet in a relationship with Jesus? He does. Do you know what it is? Love one another As I have loved you. That's the plan. That's how it's gonna happen. And if we're going to engage in that mission, if we're going to participate in the kingdom of God expanding to people who need this relationship with Jesus, it's gonna be because we get better at loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's why it matters. It's not just about you, it's about the people that God wants to reach through you. When we get more emotionally healthy, the church gets better at the mission more and more people come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that sound worth doing? Let's do it. God, thank you for today, the chance to worship together, just to be in your presence, to acknowledge that you deserve every ounce of of energy and, and effort we can put towards worshiping you. And God, my prayer now is that you would work through me and my brothers and sisters here to help us show the love of Christ to the world. And if that means we need to study something like social awareness, then point us in that direction. Help us to get better at this, God. And then use us to be a blessing to the people around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.